Hi, welcome to the Bodywork in Pregnancy podcast. In this podcast, we will discuss the hidden treasures of bodywork during pregnancy. I found the most renowned experts in the field of bodywork and pregnancy and asked them about their experiences. Why do they think it's time to give bodywork a well-deserved place in prenatal care, childbirth preparation and postnatal care? I am Luz Modern and I work as a Thai massage practitioner with pregnant women. I'm also in training to be a doula. I am mesmerized by the intricacies of our human being, how we treat ourselves, how we see ourselves and why we deny ourselves to be as powerful as we can be. To me that became most clear when looking back at my two pregnancies and so a fascination began. I am thrilled that I get to speak to all these experts from all over the world because I truly feel that bodywork needs to form a more steady part of our lives and especially during pregnancy. I offer a platform to learn for moms and dads to be. And along the way, I am picking up on so much new stuff myself. So thank you for listening and please let me know what you think of this podcast. I'm so excited. Today I get to speak to Liz Cook. She has been such an inspiration to me. Liz has truly lived the things she is teaching. Her wisdom does not come from university studies, but immediately from the body itself. When I ordered her latest book, Stalking Wild Soas, it was a revelation to me. The book was delivered at a pickup point. On the street, I unwrapped it. And I started reading and I was so drawn into it that I could barely resist reading while walking home. And you'd think that I finished that book fairly quickly. The truth is, it took me, let's say, half a year or so to finish. And it's only 137 pages. While reading it, I listened to an interview where she said that she basically dreamt the book. And I realized that that is why it took me so long. Every line in the book resonated with me on a very deep level. Um, And almost as if it was like the level on which you dream. I felt that what she wrote is true. But a lot of the time I could not get my head around it. There are lines that I read over and over again before I could even start to make any cognitive sense out of it. Along the way, I watched videos and listened to more podcasts of her. And when I first started my own podcast, she was one of the persons I immediately thought of. Because the psoas is important in pregnancy. So I guess she would have some useful things to say about that. And then I found out that Liz is currently writing a book on the psoas during pregnancy, labor and postpartum. That is so exciting. So, here we are. Hi Liz, welcome to this podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. So we're talking about the SOAS today. We are. And you spent, let's say, like a lifetime working almost, and studying. <laughs> About 45 years I've explored uh, that's that's my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, that yes, there you go. Your lifetime. Yeah, yeah. So um, so we start with what is that psoas? Right. So uh, your psoas is um, defined in different ways depending on who you talk to. From a very mechanical, biomechanical, which is what most therapists often are trained to be like a physical therapist, for example, would call it a hip flexor, maybe a spinal stabilizer, and and it's defined in anatomy as a muscle. But if you look through the embryological lens, which is a perfect lens to look at when uh, you're conceiving and carrying uh, a new being here to the Mm -hmm. earth, 
then the embryological model says that we all have a center of our being. We have an axis. We have an actual field of energy that is our own, that all the cells organize around so that you can actually show up fully as who you are and that there's no one in the world who has your axis. Even though you were in your mother's womb and she has her axis and she's on the earth and the earth has an axis, we call it a north and south pole, you have your own thumbprint. You have your own way of showing up here that's around a, what we call an axis. And so from, a, from an embryological point of view and from a functional point of view, you wanna live close to your axis. You wanna actually be in touch with this intelligence that is you, that is your bio-intelligence. From that story, SOAS is a messenger of what's called the midline or this axis. It's always telling us about, are we coherent in that axis? Are we close to it? Or are we disoriented? Are we unsafe? Are we discombobulated? You know, is what's going on? What kind of chaos is going on? So it's a messenger of the very core of our being. And from there, we can learn its message and therefore come closer to being truly in the core of our being. Mm -hmm. So that seems like such a different point of view than that we learn. Like, um, yes. it's like combining, well, it's like a very holistic point of view, is it? Like you cannot split emotions, um, feelings from the body. No, but so let's talk about why we're trained that way. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to put a historical spin on it because you don't know your, you know, the fish doesn't know it's in the waters of the ocean, right? We yeah. don't know we're growing in a field that is a very specific field of information. That's not necessarily the truth. It's certainly the paradigm we grow in. It's the dirt we're, we're planted in. And that is a biomechanical or what's called mechanistic materialism. It's a conceptual idea that's only 500 years old. Before that, people didn't talk the way they're Only talking. 500 years, wow. Yes. And for Europe, that's like a, a, a very short time. In America, that feels like a very long time. Uh -huh. um, so <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> but nevertheless, for our lifetimes, it's all we know, and it's all our parents and grandparents and the generations before. Although it's really only taken hold the past couple hundred years, right, with the Industrial Revolution. And so with the Industrial Revolution comes this conceptual idea of what we call reductionist thinking. If you want to understand something, you take it apart. So anatomy came in, uh, but you know, much earlier than, than Industrial Revolution. But the love of mechanistic uh, instruments, of machinery, of the capacity of you know, all kinds of ideas around, ideas around mechanistic thinking, we implied that on the body. And with reductionist thinking and anatomy, looking at body as a, as a cadaver, as dead, mm -hmm. um, there was the separation. Here's all the bones, here's all the muscles, here's all the nerves, here's all the organs. And if you're a child in a school and you're learning science, you're going to learn the biomechanical understanding of body. If you're going to go to a farm or a gardener, you're going to learn a biodynamic, maybe, um, depending on who it is. And your grandmother or grandfather or you know, your generations may have been farmers in which they understood life from a really a growth point of view. So when I met embryology, it, it is science, but embryology wasn't in our schooling. Nobody learned embryology that, you know, in my lifetime, so definitely anyone who's pregnant now did not learn embryology necessarily. Mm -hmm. Although I have to say, uh, the Netherlands has one of the most amazing embryologists of the world because mm, yeah, I, I know, yeah. I know Jaap yeah. van der Waal came out of retirement, you know, or, you know, to share with the world the power of the embryo. And I recommend everyone, you know, watch some of his YouTube videos or, you know, take one of his classes because as he would say, the embryo is within you. It, 
your embryo, the mother's embryo, the father's embryo, the baby's, we are, we, our embryos are still flowering. We're still blossoming. We're still unfolding. And that never changes. So he tells a beautiful story of what it is to be a human being. Mm -hmm. And it's very far from the idea of being a machine. So now all of a sudden, it encompasses what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're sensing. They're not separate. That's, that's compartmentalization. That's the separation. We have, you know, we can separate all the nervous systems, but really we're one expression. And when that is coherent, then the psoas is senses. It's the juiciest tissue. It's the juiciest connective tissue of your body. And we only have it in the muscle box because at that time, anatomy didn't know anything about connective tissue and it didn't know about working with fluid cadavers and it didn't look at the body. It looked at it dry. Mm -hmm. And so all it could see was these large pieces. It didn't know it was held together or is, is floating in this fluid tissue we call connective tissue. And once you start to open up your understanding that you were trained a certain way to think of body and you haven't really challenged that paradigm and you allow yourself to learn a new paradigm, all of a sudden you realize that bones float and the juiciest, what, what is literally in a mammal uh, is their filet mignon, which many of us eat as most of the most delicate tissues of possible is your psoas. Mm. So now psoas becomes like a cloud. It's very elusive. It's very fluid. It's orbital. It's, it's reading information that's not front to back or top to down. It's experiencing you from this core of your very center of being. Mm -hmm. So science has caught up through embryology, through physics, through biology, but most of us are still learned whatever we learned in school yep. with our drawing and our, this is body, this is your hands, this is your nose, this is your kidneys, mm -hmm. this is, you know. Yeah, and and is this new knowledge um, um, that you cannot separate those things from each other? Um, it's not really, well, it's old knowledge <laughs> for us in, in a scientific way, it is new, but I guess in Eastern philosophies, in Eastern medicine, yes. they never got rid of that way of thinking. That's right. So you see, you see, it's a Western paradigm. It's particularly, yeah. I mean, it's a colonized idea. I mean, if you want to get really into it, uh, because all indigenous people do not believe that way. They don't mm -hmm. think mechanistically. They think biodynamically, bioenergetically, mm -hmm. biointelligently. So all your systems that are outside of a Western paradigm of body becoming a mechanistic model. And one of the people, if, you know, if this people have you know, real you know, desire to understand this, there's a, a lovely uh, webinar, I mean, you know, like just what we're doing, a conversation uh, with um, a, a biologist, um, uh, Rupert um, Sheldrick. And, and, and he's a biologist, but he dared to leave biology and notice that there's also a field around everything. Some things are influencing us. And that's, you know, like a no-no. You're not allowed to jump the fence when you're in different <laughs> systems. He went, into, he went into what's called physics. And it's like, you know, biologists don't go to physics. Physics don't go to biologists. So the separation is within the Western mindset. And you've been very well trained to separate things uh, from those ideas and not see interconnectivity. But he does do a little thing on this idea of uh, the rebirth of nature, which is what all these other systems have never left, is understanding that nature grows in a certain way, that element, the elemental qualities of our being, which to me are, are you know, very biointelligent. Mm -hmm. So in the Chinese or in the Asian perspective of body as a as having a center there's always a center there's always a soul uh you know Taoist healing they call the so as the muscle of the soul yes. in Chinese medicine it is the governing vessel um, and conception vessel mm -hmm. it is an energy flow that moves through the very core of your being that goes from the palate of your mouth and tongue all the way to your sphincter 
or perineum. Mm -hmm. It is a, you know, you're a tubular organism yeah. in which you unfold and you infold. And all your life you do that. And yeah. the baby is doing that within the mother's womb. Um, and the deep grounding of that baby's, you know, comes out of the embryological conversation that we're not made of cells. We utilize, this is Yap's words, we use, utilize cells to become. And when the cell divides, part of that cell literally longs to embed into its mother's womb. To, because the womb is our, the first earth. It is how we arrive on earth. And every woman needs to recognize and her partner that there is no human being on the face of the earth who has arrived here without entering through the belly of a woman, mm -hmm. a uterus of mm -hmm. a woman. Yeah. And so we all arrive here through the female body. So how powerful is that? Yeah, yeah, extremely, yeah, yeah. So you are currently writing a book on... I'm considering it. Um, I've You're done a lot of classes on so as doing pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. And, you know, I'm a mother. I, I had three children uh, all born at home with different midwives. Um, I have two grandchildren, two granddaughters. And... Um, and I, so I lived so as through these phases. Mm -hmm. And so I started writing. There's an article online in Midwifery Today called Birthing Fear. That's about how I see the so as in relationship to this process. And I wrote articles in the 80s about pregnancy and birth. But I've never put it into a book form. I added some pieces. There's a piece in the so as book about it. You know, I bring it up through my work and I've talked about it, lectured about it, but I've never actually done a book. So with this time uh, in place, sheltered in place, um, I thought it would be a good time to put those ideas into a book form. Um, so I'm just gathering right now. I'm in the gathering stages. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so if you consider that, what is the most important thing you want to tell pregnant women about the role of their psoas? To really honor it, to not think it's something that needs fixing. Mm -hmm. um, right now, psoas is, is something that actually a lot of people have heard the word. You know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, people had no idea what I was talking about. And, um, and so there was a, you know, they go, what, what are we talking about? But now, especially in the bodywork world, there's a lot of uh, people who think they understand the psoas, they recognize, they think your tension patterns or your aches and pains or, you know, whatever's going on or that your birth will be smoother if we do something to your psoas. We have to remember the psoas is deeply, deeply uh, connected to our survival responses. And it's the in the very center of our being. And one of the ways to understand it, which anyone who works mechanistically or thinks of things like muscles and bones and how they interact, which is mechanistic, uh, doesn't ha, does, hasn't changed their paradigm yet, is that the very core of your being in this fluid system we're looking at that now is full of delicious um, connective tissue that really helps us feel buoyant and light and, and yet very grounded is at the very center of your being. That deepest core of core that we're talking about has your spinal cord in it, your kidneys, your adrenals, and your psoas. And all of those have to do with survival, with actually showing up here on earth and, and not only surviving, but thriving blossoming. So when someone goes to poke your psoas to improve it, to take your low back pain away, or to open your hips wider, or to, you know, whatever it is, take your fear away. Um, it is a misuse and a, a misunderstanding. They think the psoas is the problem. Your psoas is never the problem. Your psoas is a messenger. So my set statement is don't shoot the messenger. Mm -hmm. Poking 
I call it a, like, think of a caterpillar. If you poke a caterpillar, it will curl. It will have a reaction. So you'll get a reaction and it might even for a split second change everything. Mm-hmm. And you might go, oh, I think that, that, that did it for me. That was like, oh, I feel different. Or wow, that was very cathartic, which I don't think a pregnant woman needs to be going through cathartic, uh, sympathetic responses. That's not mm-hmm. good for your baby. Mm-hmm. You're, you're growing a womb. You're growing a nest. You're creating this place of safety. So you should not be doing release work and trauma work and all these things that women are doing now, trying to deal with them, their own fear. So let's look at so as as part of your fear response. So what does it tell us, right? It tells us that we're safe or we're not safe. And that may go back to your birth. You know, it it may, but you don't need to be rebirthed right now, okay? You're holding space for another being coming through you. So what you really need right now is to feel very co-regulated or rooted in yourself and in the earth. And for those of us who weren't well co-regulated, which is a concept that comes out of Stephen Porges' work on what's called the polyvagal system, which, is, which is, has to do with how mammals relate to each other and bond. Co-regulation in a mammal is the most important thing. And if you did not receive that well with your relationship with your mother, and I will say that most birth dynamics in hospitals do not do a good job of co-regulating because they often see it not as a dyad, but as separate baby and mother, really. Mm-hmm. And the two of you are intricately connected. And all the fears that might come around. So when we're really talking about so is we're talking about animal body. We're no longer talking about social body. And and this is the interface between the fact that we're a mammal and social and we need co-regulation, but we're also a wild animal. So as is the wildness of us, it is the primal expression. So you can think I'm safe in this environment or that environment, but what really shows up is what's really true for you. And it's not anything to be ashamed of or anything to try to control. It's actually to, to, Listen to those messages. Those are your primal messages. That is your power. That is your agency. That is being mother, mother earth, mother to earth to this baby. So how do we find that is in nature. If we didn't get it in our life, and we can get it through grounding through various forms of body work, but not invasive work. It's more things that bring the nervous system into a regulatory capacity. And when we work with someone, we have a a strong sense of their groundedness, then we can rest into that. And our nervous system will regulate with the person who's more grounded. Mm -hmm. So our body works. What happens to the mother and child that happens between the therapist and. Yes, but you don't have to become the child. You just have to be able to rest in the field just like when you're when you're resting in the field of earth, if you have your back to a tree or your belly to the ground before it gets too big, or you're resting on grass, you know, and you or on the beach or you know wherever in nature, and you feel that deep connection. That's what we're looking for. You're not returning to infancy, but you're regulating, and all of us need co-regulation because that's social interfacing. It's where we find a deep connection. It does remind us of early, and some of us got more of that in the early stages of our development of our nervous system. So our nervous system can regulate fairly well. And what we want in the mammal world is for mother and father to be so regulated in themselves that they can hold space for a being who has no regulation. An infant's cry is their call for co-regulation. That's not how the Western world treats human beings. They think, like the mechanistic idea, is that if it is separated and isolated, it will become individuated. Individuation in the colonized conception of human is a, uh, I I just find it actually a form of torture because Mm -hmm. that's not how the living world does it. That's not how mammals regulate. It's a like mama this bear. whole idea of, of letting a crying baby cry itself 
to sleep because it needs that's to right. burn to sleep by himself. Yes, that's that's the isolation. That's the torture. We actually use crying baby sounds to torture uh, uh, prisoners. Uh, yeah, it's part of the torture. So what is that? So mama bear is lumbering around and if baby bear is maybe, you know, crying out in some way, flailing in some way, mama bear picks baby bear up and puts it close to it, her body. And so baby bear is regulating with her nervous system, her center of being, that, that core of her being becomes the axis that the baby can relate to. Eventually, baby will become to more and more regulation. So they return, they move away, they return. And it's not that the more they go away, the better they are. It's that they're learning to uh, titrate their nervous system when they need to be grounded, when they can sustain their grounding. They're learning how to titrate. So if we move away from them saying, oh, they're okay, then baby's like gets flustered because no, they actually need parental they need that constant contact. So in the mammalian world, there's no mammals that don't sleep with their babies, you know, um, but we don't because we think there's all kinds of weird things that are going to happen. So traditional cultures have always cared for their babies in this very mammalian way until Western psychological and uh, political and whatever, the whole, the whole perspective of body as, as objective or an object and you separate the object from the other object. I think it's a disempowerment uh, process actually. Mm -hmm. In any case, so what happens when baby cries it out? I, I, I feel adamant about this, that we need to make this connection. Mm -hmm. What happens in your nervous system? So you do have fight and flight responses that are part of your sympathetic. But part of your polyvagal system or what we call the parasympathetic system is what we call playing dead or the opiated state. So when we know when we're really fearful, we get cortisol and adrenaline and we get, you know, we get these reactions because the, the hormonal system follows the nervous system, right? And so certain things are released to make you jump up and run fast out of the building that's burning or, you know, to, uh, to stand your ground, you know, and, and, and defend something or, you know, these are all really, good responses we want to have. These are good survival responses. And we've been trained to behave. So we try to dump those down. Well, the crying, the crying, when, a, when an infant whose nervous system is young calls, that's its only call it has. When it is not heard, it goes into uh, such a, a deep reaction of not being that it goes into what's called the opiated state. It is so emotionally overwhelming that it's like the animal that's trapped that doesn't know how to get out of its situation will release opiates, natural opiates. Those opiates then make it disassociate or go to sleep, mm -hmm. play dead. Wow. So we go, oh, look, it worked. Yeah. Well, look at the American culture who is very trained in treating their children that way. What, where, where are we now? We have a, the largest opiated addiction ever in the world from the past training of children for the past, what, 50, 80 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, wow. <laughs> that's yeah. I don't mean to be... Um, I'm a downer, but you know, some of these things <laughs> yeah, have yeah. to be talked about. I mean, we have to talk about what happens to women in birth. Um, you know, and you you also have another wonderful resource in the Netherlands, which is Anna Revolve. Yeah. Womb to world, the journey that shapes our life. Yeah. That is so important to listen to because it, it teaches you that the birth, what happens through your own birth experience is going to show up not only in your pregnancy, that's both father and mother. Even if you don't know your birth story, it's gonna show up. So the more you can co-regulate, these are the things that you can do to prepare for this experience. The more you understand your own nervous system, the more you recognize it's not a weakness or a, 
a fault of your, that you behave certain ways, but that you're, you're actually watching your own nervous system and how mature it is, so to speak. Not mature is like, well, I'm more mature than you are, but more like how it has the resiliency in it. Mm-hmm. How much capacity does it have? And that has to do with all the things that have happened to you. But it also has to do with your early years and it has to do with your birth. So she actually helps you understand that many of your so-called personality traits or relational behaviors are based So couples working with her, I think is a phenomenal resource. All of a sudden you realize you have all this compassion for the other person when you know some of what she actually recognizes in your system as being your birth process. Mm-hmm. You know, So then you can choose to work with people who are going to support your ability to really sit, so to speak, in your own sensory system. It's yeah. not, they're, they're not going to solve your problem. No. They're going to help hold space. That's what co-regulation is, right? Mm-hmm. So that you can kind of feel into your own wealth of, of uh, knowing. And the more you can access that wealth of knowing, which is the very core of your being. So it's kind of tuning into to your body and yes, embodying yourself. <laughs> well, it's it's actually um, turning towards. It's like using the cortex not to disassociate, which is what a lot of people feel. So that body is this object that you fill. No, you literally are body. So the disassociation is in the thinking of the culture as well as in our training. So when you work with someone like yourself who also is studying a different system, is studying a system that is more uh, biodynamic, meaning more uh, coherent in in its wholeness, right? It's not separating. It's not that you can't differentiate things. It's that everything is related to everything else. We're entangled, right? Yeah. It's we're entangled with all life. We don't walk through space. We're, we are the environment. This is it. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, um, you're able to start to remember. So I would call it a remembering. I even like that better than embodying yeah. because it's a remembering that you are the elements of the earth. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that we get to be here yeah. elementally <laughs> and consciously? Yeah, yeah. So it it really has to do with um, remembering who you are and embracing that all. Yes, self care. You accomplish that big task, (laughs) then then you will not have a type so as. Well, you know, but it's great. It's great. It's, it's not like you, you know, just awaken and here you are, right? And you have to go back and dig. That's actually a top down concept. A uh-huh. bottom up concept is that we are the earth, so to speak. You know, our mother is our first earth. And when, when we arrive here, if we get to crawl up mother earth, it's called the birth crawl that the baby does. Um, like you're actually touching mother's body as earth right this is we've arrived okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's so much longing that's what you know people call it you know latching on no it isn't it's a longing that for the baby it's called rooting they root into the breast and that becomes the secondary connection to mother earth long before we separate that umbilicus as far as i'm that's the thing that a lot of people are not even aware of that as soon as the baby is born and you put it on the belly of the mother, it really crawls. It can crawl. <laughs> it can move. It, it does actually that military crawl that they know. use in military. I mean, it's you know, yeah. like it's actually that one. It's the scooting. You know, it's on the earth. Really, actually, isn't that funny? That I mean, it's pathetic, but isn't it funny that you know the military men learn to do. <laughs> the crawl on the earth. I mean, there's something here to look at, right? I mean, we need to connect to earth, you know? So we go to war so we can get on our bellies and slither through the mud. I mean, hmm, doesn't that say something about human beings and our disconnect from earth? That's yeah. yeah, I never thought about that quite that way before, but <laughs> have these epiphanies and it's just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So, and you know, it's an interesting relationship because uh, there's also a beautiful point of where when baby arrives, you know, people always think, oh, this bond, you've got to hurry up. When we're working with these flows, these natural flows, so think of psoas as very fluid, right? You know, there's times where its expression is alerting you there's something going on. And baby follows the mother's psoas down through the birth canal. Mm -hmm. So if mother is sedated, her psoas goes flaccid and baby loses contact with mother. So the psoas is kind of hugging the baby. Yeah, you could look at them as tracks because there's one on each side of your body. Yeah. And, but you're, they're also, think of it more like information, like connection, like vibrational connection. Baby yeah. psoas is talking to mother psoas, you know, like it, there's a, vibrational core to core conversation going on. And in through that kind of vibrational connection, when, when mother is sedated, she may not feel the pain, but there's actually some studies that show that the baby feels more pain. And part of that pain is loss of connection to mother. So, you know, we're, we're, really, we're, we're really putting women in a difficult situation, I think, because you can really believe all this or you can sense it because I think women who are pregnant become more and more knowing because all their energy is down in that tandien, their hara, their Buddha belly. They're, they just like really start tapping into how wise they are. Mm -hmm. And mother, mother is waking up, so to speak. Yeah. You know, that knowing, that being fierce like a mother bear. You know, this animal body starts to show up. And, you know, women may be surprised how much that shifts them from girl and mm -hmm. woman to mother, you know, and how do you bridge all that? But the world around you doesn't necessarily embrace that. So even though she's in this deep knowing, she's up against a lot of confusing conversation. To me, the idea that someone's going to deliver your baby is the first thing you should challenge in yourself because yeah. you don't need delivering. That is a very Christian concept. I just have to say, you know, a Judeo-Christian concept. It's it's not an indigenous concept, you know. It what, but support is support of mother, people surrounding mother who nourish mother. Is is you know the holding of space for her to be that powerful, mm -hmm. not to be rescued, but to to be to allow herself to do what her animal body knows. Yeah. And I do have to say when women, you know, have studied with me, I've gotten feedback like, okay, you know, that actually came up while I was, while I was um, in, in birthing is just let the animal body do this step aside of my own concerns and let my body know what millions of years it's been doing. Yeah, yeah. Once you tap in that you're a million year old process, millions of years of birthing has gone on in your tissue in the cells of your being. There's no new cells, right? They dissolve and reappear. You know, there's no new air. We're breathing the same air that, you know, Buddha breathed. So all of a sudden, you're allowing yourself the animal body to really show up. And that's where learning to sound, that's where feeling rooted. That's where all the things that get you in your bones, you know, bone tapping. That's what makes psoas not overused, misused, or abused. And then it's available to be this, this really messaging. So one of the ways I see helping psoas, uh, to have a healthy psoas through these phases, is in the very early stages to spend some time on the ground, on your back, knees up, feet on the floor, and constructive rest before your belly's bigger, before we're worried about compression of aorta or anything, just get on the floor and get grounded, you know, and do get some body work, get some really supportive grounding centering, not releasing, not trying to, um, you know, that I think all the work that supports the kidneys and adrenals supports the bones, that kind of work. 
takes us out of our fight and flight, our overwhelm, our busy lives, which are all very sympathetic and grounds us into this rest, digest, and restorative. So I look for restorative things. I urge women to do restorative things. You know, nurturing, yes. self-care that's really about being your own mama bear to yourself. Yeah, yeah, and really taking time to do it and prioritize these. Yes, moments. the rhythms of life is the parasympathetic rhythm, the speed that we're in. Speed has its place, but not as a daily that lacks rhythm. You have to have rhythm. There's rhythms to nature. Nature has rhythms, and all life, including waves, if we think of the tides. So in your fluid system, tides are about comings and goings and about rhythms and knowing, turning towards yourself and knowing when you're really, you know, when you're hungry, not thinking I have to eat, but knowing, connecting to this being that's part of your knowing mm-hmm. you know, and listening and, and, and really finding rhythm. And, and that's what I'm saying. Women are up against a lot because the external world isn't supporting you. No, not at all. No. Not at all. And that's why women are often disappointed with their birth outcomes because they, they believe that somehow maybe if they just give it over, it'll all come out okay. So trust is a big part of SOAS. The more you get in your bones, the more you trust this knowing, the more your animal body says no. This is not how it's going to go down. It's, and that's a trust in yourself. Yeah, because I was thinking about that when you said that earlier, that we have this very deep knowing of what is good and what needs to be done and what we have to do. Um, and then we start questioning ourselves because of our environment. That's right, because other people constantly undermine you. Yeah, yeah. So that's where that being in your bones theme of trust stand your ground you yeah. have to say i don't know maybe that's true maybe it's not. or you have to you have to filter how much you're going to be exposed to yeah right more information isn't going to necessarily get you into knowing the work that gets you into knowing is getting into the heart into the buddha belly into the that center of your being mm-hmm. into the wise organ of your uterus your uterus floats in the in the in the pelvis in the pelvic bowl or the the the, literally the cradle of civilization Mm -hmm. it is a wise organ of knowing we even know that the the uterus which is all on top of psoas so just to locate psoas psoas is in the deepest core of your being it begins behind your diaphragm area and flows diagonally through your core all the way through your pelvis into the inner or media or what's called lesser trochanter of your femur bones. So it connects you to ground. Think of the energy of it as grounding you, okay? And your, you know, your energy is moving up and down, but so is it's all about grounding you. So to your electrical field or your energy field, you could think of it as a grounding, you know, it's a grounding wire. Um, but so is, so, so is is reading, and, and what it's reading is your relationship to the earth, not your social relationship, but your relationship to earth. So, the the field of the inner core of your being is is about showing up here on earth. It's not about the the interactions we have on earth. So as is very much about. Am I showing up in time and space? And in my newest book, Stalking Wild Soas, which by the way is being translated into dutch really right now as we speak that, yes it is but i love it in english because i love the language and i can never i'm very curious about the translation because i can i will be interested in hearing your response to it because one of the things i did do was i did have them ask somebody who had studied with me actually i had two people but they connected to particularly one woman to to really go through some of the languaging of it um because I understand there's a real difference between like that certain words there weren't. And I also think that the person who translated it was great. She was really wonderful. Like she was nuanced around the English language enough to really 
say, I don't know if we have this word. And if it is, is it this word or is it that word? And she also uh -huh. talked to this woman. So I think it's going to come out good. They oh, were very, I, I really liked, I really loved that they cared, that they made the translation. Yeah, work. because it's so important in this book. <laughs> But in it, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole idea of landing and locating. Yeah. And what does that mean for the psoas? And that means that it's telling you if you really are showing up in time and space or if there's some incoherency. So if there is incoherency, that's your message. If you're feeling this kind of tension in your body, turning towards yourself and asking, what, what do I need right now? It might be just to pause and, you know, take a walk or pause and take a a nap or um, you know to eat something or to drink something it could be a very simple what, what is being asked of you yeah instead you know? of going to dr google and type in i feel a tension there and there <laughs> what shall i do <laughs> what can it be <laughs> right right yeah it's to actually know that the wisdom is in the somatic body so, so to turn towards that is to learn how to re-listen. It's something you know, because as children, they're very sensory oriented until they're told not to be. Mm -hmm. You know, unless they're very traumatized, they usually are playing in the dirt. They're, you know, they're, they're exploring life. They're rolling and, you know, jumping and climbing. And, and all of that develops what we call your proprioception. And proprioception is in the joints of the body. Uh, some of them, and some of them are in muscles and organs. And, but the one that psoas talks to the most or, or messages the most is the ones that have to do with your bones. Because think of bones, they're very soulful, right? They're very much in all mythology and stories. They're about really feeling something deeply in the marrow of your bones. It's where blood is made. Mm -hmm. And so psoas and that soulfulness is really interconnected to the bones. So say you'd say, I'm going to go do a yoga. Yeah, I'm going to do prenatal yoga. Well, you have to check out the prenatal yoga teacher of how much she knows, because if she's going to put you in a lot of lunges, I'm going to tell you she doesn't know enough. Why? Because she's going to think we're stretching psoas, and that's going to make it healthier. You can't stretch dry tissue. You can't stretch this the psoas. Filet mignon doesn't need to be stretched. It doesn't need to be palpated. It's the most delicious cut of meat you eat. So therefore, if we're going to compare it to food, rump roast can be massaged. Psoas does not need to be massaged. It's delicate just as it is. It's juicy just as it is. So why, don't, why I don't recommend things like lunges is because you want that center of your pelvis to be as centered as possible. And when you put one leg in front of the other and one leg behind you, you're actually pulling on your sacroiliac joints, which are your ligaments. And that's where your joints are. Mm -hmm. Well, those proprioceptors are not only about range of motion and it's, you don't need it. Oh, you don't need amazing range of motion to give birth, believe it or not. Okay. Which people think you do. You'd actually don't. Okay. You can be a pretty solid person and, and just give birth just fine. But what you do need is a healthy psoas. Okay, because that allows the org that allows the uterus to do what it knows how to do. It's not and it's not over containing it. If your abdomen is too core tense, a lot of women now are doing so much core work that they actually can't shape shift. Shape shifting is what life, what birth is about. So these ways that fitness and, and yoga are kind of you, you have to work with somebody who's going to look at the centering of the pelvis. And, and, and that being the main thing is to maintain your centeredness in your skeletal core. Mm -hmm. Because these joints are also locators and they locate you to the earth and they ground you and they center you and they bring that knowing to your awareness, to your consciousness. And even though you can't always intellectually say, I don't know exactly why I feel this knowing, that's okay. That's the bottom up that will eventually bring the trust of your mind towards your intuitive knowing. And I think mothers need that because once you have our mother, you're going to hear a million ways to raise your child. <laughs> yeah. And again, you have to go with the knowing, the trusting your own knowing. So think of your brain being in your belly, being in your uterus, 
being in this knowledge of knowing deep within your own core that the cortex can later Google and go, oh, wow, look what I knew. I knew all that intuitively. But the intuitive brain is what we really want to allow because that's what birth is about. It's not about the intellectual brain. It's about your gut, knowing your uh, instincts, your animal body. And yeah. so anything that brings you deeper into animal body, you know, whether it's being in water or burying your belly in earth or, uh, you know, things that connect you to earth, gardening, you know, walking in the woods, being, you know, being in nature, mother nature will, will, will support you through this whole process in a deep way, in a profound way. So I like body work. I love body work that works on the floor. I think for pregnant women, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thai massage works on the floor, it's does it floor. not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's like, that's grounding right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very different than being up off a table. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I say get on the floor. Literally get on the floor. Spend yeah. a lot of time on the floor because yeah. that grounds the bones, right? It lands them. Mm -hmm. Get on the earth. Yeah. Feel the connection to earth because that's where the wisdom is. Yeah. That's where the knowing is. That's where the instincts are. That's where when you have to make a decision, you know the answer to that decision, even if you don't totally understand it. Learning to trust that is powerful, powerful yeah. medicine. Yeah, really. Yeah, we, we completely disconnected from, from that part of our being. Yeah. yeah. And I can say to fathers, the more you join your woman, uh, on these adventures, more you can trust into that because your relationship to earth is dependent upon this woman's relationship to earth. A man will never, will, will look at a woman birthing and, and want to do something because men mm -hmm. like to fix things, which we love men for. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We adore you for that. And doesn't need fixing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right. But when a woman looks into a woman's eyes who has given birth, who knows birth, there's nothing that needs to be done. There is just the knowing. Yep, that's, you're there, that you're right there. You've landed and located and that's what's happening right now. The whole system relaxes because there isn't anything to do. There's no delivery. There is, there is the presence of being. Yeah. And the and that deep relaxation is the rhythm of birth. Yeah. Yeah, and staying in in that moment. Yeah, I think it's very important. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of those, you know, imprints in our body because we don't see birth just like we don't see death. And birth in TV and movies are always shown in the exact same style. They're screaming, they're, you know, they're, you never see women in birth in this deep, profound connection with themselves. They're always very out and hysterical. Yeah. That, that's how the uh, patriarchal movie system looks at birth. That's a very male version of birth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's what men see they see women out of control and needing to be rescued yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so we have to recognize i mean this is to me the the kind of work of women being pregnant you know uh isn't about all the external things you can do it's about this turning towards yourself and discovering how profound you are mm -hmm. how powerful you are yeah. how much agency you have and, you know, there's there's conversations like um, the woman, uh, women who run, well, uh, who women who run, what is it called? Um, Dr. Estes. Yeah, women, women who run with wolves. So. Yes, the women who run with wolves. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite the, boy, I forgot the actual title of it. Yeah. Uh, I love that book. To me, that's a that's Bible. Archetypes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's even more than that. It's the stories. It's about a woman's soul. If you go back at different ages and you read that book, you'll read it very differently. It speaks to the woman's soul and the different levels of that development as a human being. But, you know, she will speak about 
What does it take? What oppression happens that puts women on their backs and drugs them for them to give birth? I mean, she's straightforward about it. And my book is going to be straightforward about it because we have to face this as women that we have been oppressed, that we have not been honored, that our power has been taken away. Yeah. And, and um, so it becomes, you know, it becomes political as well as, you know, which is not necessarily what you want to be doing when you're pregnant is being political, you know, and yet the act of giving birth is a political act in the way the culture either supports you or undermines those midwives and undermines those doulas and limits their capacity to be powerful. You know, birth is not a medical it's not medical. No. I understand some women need more medical care, that they have health issues. You know, that's why I love birth centers, because they provide that balance between monitoring the woman whose health is, is in danger. You know, we're not looking for anyone to be in danger. But in America, which is the only one I can speak to, you are in danger when you go to the hospital, unfortunately. And what I see around the world when I work with women who have given birth is often their own. The, what they have experienced is not birth trauma. They have experienced trauma mm -hmm. um, that, that has really- It's got nothing to do with birth itself. It has nothing to do treated. with birth. Yes, it's how they're treated, yeah. how poorly they're treated and how scared they are, how their animal body starts to know that they're not safe. Mm -hmm. You know, you watch it, if you've ever gotten a chance, if anyone's gotten a chance to watch, you know, a cat give birth or a dog give birth or, you know, even a pet, you know, any pet that's even domesticated, they have pretty good instincts in their birth, you know, even though they've been domesticated for years, you know, and they do a lot about their nesting and creating safety and the right place. And, you know, and I say, you know, to me, you have to realize that birth in a hospital is kind of like making love on a freeway. It's not that you can't do it. It's just that you have to be ready for, it's hard to have a good orgasm, let's put it that way. And, and you know, there's a lot going on that you gotta be paying attention to. Yeah. So I don't want women to go in naive. I want them to know that if that's where they're choosing, they're choosing it because they think that's the safest place, but know your animal body may or may not agree with you. So that's where the work I think through pregnancy can be of these deep levels of connecting more and more to that wisdom. So that wherever you are, you do feel that this is the right place for me to be. And I have to say that, you know, I've heard amazing stories of women who, you know, were with midwives who uh, were having difficulty in birth and, you know, who, who said, I think I need a C-section and their doctor and their midwife are saying, no, I don't think you do. And they say, I do. And, and they're like, wow, okay. Here we go. And in fact, they found out that something was radically wrong with their uterus and she knew inside of her. So I'm not saying there's a right way to do this. I'm saying if you trust these instincts inside of you, even when, you know, somebody else is saying, I, I don't, I don't quite get it. If you, you know, that's different than panic. So you have to like, that's the arbitration between, am I panicking or am I hearing this deep wisdom? So I feel like this time is such a powerful time to keep deepening that understanding of the voices within you. And that's somatic. That's where the movement and body work come in is because the more you get into your somatic world, the more you embody yourself, the more you trust the instincts, you know, the impulses, they become trustworthy because your nervous system is in a, a, a more supported and nourished. It's like the roots of the tree are more really established. And mm -hmm. like all of a sudden this wisdom starts coming through and you like know. Yeah. Knowing is different than thinking. Yeah. yeah. Like you just know. And mm -hmm. you can't explain it intellectually. You know. That's a different way of being. Yeah, it is, yeah. I love it how you are able to express the things I experience in my work all the time and I, things that I deeply know that are true, but you never read about it. <laughs> so I'm very happy that you say these things. <laughs> Thank yeah. you.
Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're very yeah. welcome. We need, we need this. We need, we need this knowing right now at this time. Yeah. It yeah. can't be any more clear to me that this is a rupture in, in the, and an opening and an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So until now, we were very dependent on your busy traveling schedule to be able to uh, to attend workshops and, and explore the themes of the SOAS more. But this whole COVID-19 crisis has made you move on the internet. <laughs> I am. I'm a Zoom teacher now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never did anything on Zoom until COVID-19. Yeah. And I was really looking forward to your workshops here in September. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm me too. Happy I love you Amsterdam. Oh, I love the Netherlands. Oh. Yeah. People, when I when I visit the Netherlands, I laugh, you know, because they, like especially Amsterdam, you know, somebody will be with me and they'll say, you know, we tend to just cross the street, you know, like we break rules a lot. And I go, I know, that's why I'm here. Even <laughs> all those rules. And I just love when I'm in a whole, I'm in a culture that I feel very, you know, comfortable in, you know, I'm no longer this, you know, anarchist. I'm like, you know, thank you. you know? <laughs> yeah. So I just adore, I adore the Netherlands. Um, but yes, I am, I'm on Zoom. Um, I do have a three-part uh, program that's actually still available through December. Every year, I do a class on uh, on on these issues of of uh, of SOAS in relationship to pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's an audio, uh, audio course, and it has all kinds of resources. And then I leave it up even though I'm not, you know, it's not live anymore because they're, they're downloads. And so people can go and get the, get the download, the course downloaded. Mm -hmm. um, and on my, on, you know, it's on my website. And, and that way you can listen to basically three hours of lectures of, uh, of talking about these issues in each of the specific areas of how I see so as influencing um, each phase of our, our exploration and uh, and how to have a healthy psoas, you know, how to just be comfortable in your skin. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. And, and that's a big piece. So I, I think a lot of it's restorative work. It's not about, you know, it's about, and, and it's about that rhythm. You know, there's times to be busy, there's times to be restful and finding the rhythm that's right for you. And, and fortunately, because people are working at home more, maybe they can find that rhythm a little easier, yeah. you know, and get, but, but then they're also working on the screen a lot more. So it's really important for your eyes, for example, this is part of what SOA starts messaging, you know, when you've sat too long, when you've stared at the screen too long, because knowing how to titrate your eyes are really part of your sympathetic. So what is SOAS messaging? SOAS messaging is location can i sense myself where i am can i feel the back of my body the room that i'm in and beyond that the space so that we aren't isolated we're we're in relationship to everything and we're really actually locating in space and time the other thing it tells us about is our nervous system which is also part of that locating so how well nourished is your nervous system you know, do you have a strong sympathetic response, a fight or flight response that's not really connected to what's happening in the location? Mm -hmm. So when I first started to be on the floor as a young woman, you know, and I would ground myself in that simple position of constructive rest, I realized I was terrified. I had a lot of fear response and yet my eyes were soft and open. I could look around the room. There wasn't anything scary. There was nothing happening. That means I don't have enough nourishment. It doesn't mean I need to go release my fears. It means that I'm not regulating my nervous system. I'm not co-regulated enough because of a, a fear response is an appropriate response when it comes up, but it's not, it's a deficiency if it's showing up and there's nothing to be afraid of in that moment. 
then I, it's, it's not, there's not enough fluid, so to speak. There's not enough juiciness. There's not enough nourishment so that I'm able to rest deeper into myself, to, to, to not be vigilant, to feel. So that's where the, you know, massaging your own feet and taking a bath with sea salts or, or really good mineral salts. You know, it's where curling into fetal curl takes you back into the nervous system into this embryological shaping. And there's videos of where I'm in fetal curl on my website. And the environment is kind of a little harsh because we have lights on, you know, to videotape me. So it's kind of a, like for the animal body, a, a kind of not like where, where you particularly, you know, but you could do this on your bed, you know, in the morning to curl, roll over on it and just curl your spine in this gentle C shape. And just rest, they maybe rock a little bit, like create a little wave from tongue to tail and just feel the wave of your own axis, of your own inner core. And, and you know, a long exhale, like a long SH sound, like a shh, but really soft, like really and long. Long exhales are a way to allow your nervous system to find its um, tide, the going in and the going out. Okay, so the long exhales where the, the breath starts to just find its own rhythm. And then roll out of bed and start your day. Now, mm. Things like this are really ways of simply, very simple ways of enriching yourself where you go into a deeper sense. And so there's a video and the cameraman goes, you know, it's really hard. There's nothing happening. And I said, <laughs> and I said you're right. From the outside, nothing's happening. It's like, you're not anything. what's going on? You're just on the floor. But I, you know, I figure it's important for people to watch that for three you know, minutes because exactly, I'm not, you can't see anything because I'm allowing myself to go deep within myself. Yeah. You know, I'm allowing myself to just rest in. This isn't performative. There's nothing performative to see. <laughs> so, um... We're kind of at the end of the of this podcast. So I think this is a nice invitation for people to have a look at your website because you have a massive amount of resources there and exercises and videos and people can just go and explore because they can. And they're I'm safe I'm to do when you're pregnant, is it? Yes. So, but, you know, getting offline is also a really great thing. So, yeah. you know, I say, you know, maybe a little bit, but then go take a walk in nature. Yeah. You know? Take your shoes off and put them in the, put your feet in the earth. Wiggle your toes in the earth. Find some earth. Put your belly, if it, you know, or your side body or your back for a few moments on the earth or, you know, on, rub up against the back of a tree. You know, lean up against it. Like find Mother Nature because Mother Nature is going to guide this journey for you. And she's very trustworthy. Thank you so much, Liz. You're very welcome. I enjoyed this talk. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed our conversation, please share this episode with your friends. And I would really like to know what you think of it. So let me know on Instagram or Facebook. The details you find in the show notes.